morning, I would like to ask you to turn your Bible to Psalm 23, where I will be speaking on the topic, boasting in God's shepherding care. Perhaps you looked at the bulletin and you did not see the title, and I know some of you take notes diligently. What's the title? It is simply this, boasting in God's shepherding care. And we trust by the end of our time together that our hearts will fill with the desire to do just that, to boast in the care of our great shepherd. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Boasting in God's shepherding care. What goes through your mind when you hear the word boasting? Boasting is one of those words that often carries a very negative connotation. If you are a parent and you're seeking to raise your children well, I suppose there have been many times where you've had to say to one or the other, stop bragging. When you hear them talk, exalt themselves, talk about how well they've done, how well they look, especially when they're doing that at the expense of their siblings or their children. But if we're honest, we'll have to agree that boasting is not only a problem for little children or for those who simply do not know any better or for unbelievers or immature Christians. Brothers and sisters, the temptation to boast is one I would say most of us, not to say all of us, are familiar with. And I would say in the age of social media, the opportunity to boast has reached a whole other level, has it not? The temptation to say and post All sorts of things about ourselves to make ourselves look good. Silly things that we would feel uncomfortable saying to one or two people in their presence. Now we have the boldness to post them 
perhaps thinking that um, electronic communication has become a new means of grace for sanctifying our boasting. Well, we all need grace to heed the wisdom of God's word when it comes to boasting, whatever form it takes. And I mean that, whatever form it takes. Let another praise you, the word of God tells us, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. Proverbs 27, 2. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. James 4, 13 through 16. Now, while the Bible does have a lot to say about the sin of boasting and that we must take it seriously, while the Bible warns us against the temptation to foolishly exalt ourselves, there is another kind of boasting that is not just permissible, but it is one that is actually commanded. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands. And knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. As the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, one that was very familiar that's with boasting, that struggled with that sin. Let the one who boasts, boast. In the Lord. This morning we have before us in Psalm 23 what I believe is one of the clearest, most beautiful examples of what I would call holy boasting in all of Scripture. In this well loved psalm, we hear King David, an accomplished shepherd, Israel's great shepherd king. Speaking not from the perspective of a great shepherd, but rather from that of a humble, satisfied sheep, praising God 
boasting in him as the loving and skillful shepherd of his people. The plan this morning is to look at this psalm under two broad titles. First, David's great affirmation of God's shepherding care. And then the gracious demonstration of God's shepherding care that we see in verses 2 through 6. And it is my hope and prayer that the Spirit of God will use this very, very familiar text from His Word to help us in a fresh way realize how wonderfully blessed, how wonderfully blessed we are to belong to and be cared for by our wonderful shepherding God. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. David begins a psalm by identifying clearly who he has as his shepherd. David was a shepherd and David understands very well that sheep cannot take care of themselves. Sheep are totally dependent on their shepherd. The welfare of the sheep is absolutely connected to the character and skill of the shepherd. And during his days as a shepherd, while David tried his best to be a good shepherd, I have no doubt he was familiar with those who were not good shepherds. Those who neglected their sheep. Those who allowed their sheep to fall prey to various predators. Shepherds are not always good, nor are they always competent. Read the book of Ezekiel where God rebukes the shepherds of Israel for neglecting his people. So both spiritually and in the natural realm, shepherds are not always good. So David here wants to say that I have a good shepherd and it is the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd, David says. And if I were to say, David... Who is this Lord who is your shepherd? Well, probably say, well, it is the God, the Lord who has created all things. The God whose glory is all around us in the things that he has made. Who is this Lord, David? Perhaps more precisely, he would say, it is Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. The God who has said, I will be your God, and you will be my people. This Lord, the God who keeps his word, the God who is always faithful, he is my shepherd. The God to whom I belong, the one who is mine, he is my shepherd. And with the Lord then, as his shepherd, David then goes on to say, I shall not want. The first statement leads necessarily to the other. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. I should say a few things about this. What in the world does it mean I shall not want? Does it mean I will not have any desire? For anything? Is this what it means? Certainly not. Well, you probably know that the word want is an old English word that really 
means lacking. But then we can even go beyond that. Do shepherds at particular, any particular point lack certain things, at least for a while? The answer is yes. We do sometimes, from our perspective, lack certain things. And so we go and ask God, do we not do that? So when, what does it mean then to say declaratively, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I shall not lack. I believe it means this, that since the Lord is our shepherd, we do not lack anything that our shepherd believes is good for us at any given time. We do not lack what the shepherd wants us to have as we follow him to the destination that he has in mind for us. I believe that's what David would say if you were to ask him, what do you mean, David? Our shepherd is the one who withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. So when we say the Lord is our shepherd, when you say, when I say today, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I believe we are expressing our total confidence and satisfaction in our shepherd, listen to this, regardless of the circumstances that we're in. And we will see that plainly as we look at the rest of the psalm. It is a statement of faith. In the goodness, in the absolute goodness and love of our shepherd. I believe this is very similar to what Paul later will write in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. This is the Apostle Paul saying it very clearly that, yes, as sheep, sometimes we experience hunger, need. But we can say, regardless of the circumstance that we're in, we are not lacking anything. That is, we are not lacking what the shepherd believes is for our good at any given time. Now, how did the Lord then show his care for David? What is it about God's shepherding care that caused David to, to boast the way he does? How does God show his care for us? Verses 2 through 6 give us the answer to these questions. First, there are six things I want to say here very quickly. The first one is this. God demonstrates his shepherding care in our lives by providing for us. God demonstrates his shepherding care in our lives by providing for us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Note, first of all, that it is the shepherd 
who does the providing from beginning to end. He makes me. He leads me. He makes me lie down. Philip Keller in his little book on Psalm 23 talks about for sheep are even making them lie is not an easy thing. To make them lie down, he says, there are several requirements that have to be met. They need to be free from all fear. They need to be free from friction with others of their kind. They need to be free from various pests. They must be free from hunger or else they will not lie down. So the good shepherd then is one who makes sure that all of those obstacles are removed so that the needs of the sheep would be met, so that the sheep could lie down in those green pastures. So David sees God as a shepherd who does everything necessary to provide for him. David does not say, I cause myself to lie down in green pastures. I found the green pastures myself. Or I feed myself, lead myself rather, beside the still waters. But he's the one. He makes me lie down. He's the one who leads me by the still waters. The use of this metaphor communicates a very obvious point. We are like sheep, brothers and sisters, not partially, but totally, totally dependent upon God, our shepherd, to meet all of our needs. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? Not just some needs, but all of them. Even our breath, think about it. And if you doubt, if you think I'm exaggerating a bit, after service today, just take a moment and say, what is it that I can do on my own today? What is it that I can absolutely, without any condition, provide for myself today? Whether it be physically or spiritually or emotionally. Sheep are totally dependent on God. So it is God who does the providing. But how does He provide? He provides well for us. He provides well for His sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Sheep need grass and water. It's not ice cream for them. It's what they need for their very subsistence. I remember growing up in Haiti, certain things that we had, and just the basic. Ice cream? No. We didn't need ice cream. And yes, boys and girls, you don't need (laughs) ice cream. There are things that sheep need for their very lives. They need grass and water. And the shepherd makes sure that they get what they need. A good shepherd knows where the grassy meadows are and he's willing to do whatever it takes to lead the sheep through dangerous mountainous paths so they can be where the green pastures are, so that they can be well fed and rest. And then he leads them where the quiet waters are, where the still waters are so they can drink. 
I'm not the expert on sheep, but I've read that sheep tend to be afraid of running water. And the good shepherd knows where quiet waters are, so that they can drink. So the picture we have here is one where the shepherds provide for the basic needs of the sheep in an atmosphere of calm and tranquility. David had a very difficult life. Faced many difficult situations. But if you read his life, you can understand why David would say what he said about God taking care of him. God's shepherding hand has always been upon David and has cared for him. Has cared for him very well. And so it is with us today, brothers and sisters, as those who, like David, belong to this God or in covenant with him, he knows all of our needs. And he is committed to providing for them in his way, yes, in his time. And he will go and do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to provide well for you. As a father, weak, sinful, when my family, my children are in need, I am willing to do whatever it takes. And as moms and dads, I'm sure that's how you, you are toward your children. The Bible presents us as a God, as our shepherd, who will do whatever it takes to provide for us. Next, God demonstrates shepherding care for our lives by restoring our souls. He restores my soul, verse 3. doesn't just provide, but he restores my soul. What does it mean to restore? What did David have in mind? What does it mean for sheep to be restored? Here again, I found Philip Keller's insights very helpful. He talked in his little book about the phenomena where a sheep finds himself cast down. Cast down, and he describes it like this. He says, a cast sheep is a very pathetic sight. Lying on its back, its feet in the air, it flays away frantically, struggling to stand up without success. Sometimes it will bleed a little for help, but generally it lies there lashing about in frightened frustration. If the owner does not arrive on the scene within a reasonably short time, the sheep will die. This is but another reason why it is so essential for a careful shipman to look over his flock every day, counting them to see that all are able to be up and on their feet. If one or two is missing, often the first thought to flash into his mind is one of my sheep is cast somewhere. I must go in and search and set it on its feet again. The word that's used here for restore means to turn back. And just as sheep in their cast down position needed to be turned back, put back on their feet by their shepherd, David understood that he too, when he was cast down, 
needed the shepherd to turn him back, to put him on his feet. Perhaps David was thinking of the many times he was discouraged. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Psalm 42. And you read the psalm, you see David was no stranger to being discouraged. Maybe he was thinking of the many times he was being pursued night and day by those who wanted to kill him. Sometimes we read those stories and we think David was some kind of superman and Imagine being pursued day and night, being mocked and ridiculed. Maybe David was thinking not just of circumstances beyond his control. Maybe he was thinking of times of spiritual defeat. Maybe when he had committed adultery and murder and for long and experienced a long period of spiritual and emotional dryness. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had those moments when all of your strength is gone, where you are there and feeling that there is no hope for me? I can't help myself. I can't walk. And the enemy's roaring, ready to eat you alive. No strength, nothing. Maybe you hear like that this morning. Maybe this morning you don't even want to come here because you are so down. I don't know how many of you would raise your hand if I were to ask you if you've been there. I believe most of us have, and if you haven't, at some point you most likely will. And in those moments, we need one to restore us. We need one to come and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And that's our shepherd does so well. He's the restorer of our souls. And how does he do it? Well, he he does it using the means of grace, primarily his word. He uses his word, whether it be time that we spend reading it or speaking it to one another, or even this morning as we're listening to his word. God's word is his primary tool for restoring the fallen, for restoring us when we are down. That's why the last thing you want to do when you are not doing well is to stay home. Stay away from other believers. I realize that's what you feel like doing. I'm on my back. How will people understand? Everybody is walking and jumping. All is well. I can't get up. I feel dry. I feel cold. More than ever then, you need to be in God's presence to hear his word. More than ever, 
When we gather on Sunday morning, brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it. Part of the ministry that God wants to accomplish in our midst is this very thing. Restoring us. Causing us to stand. The law of the Lord is perfect, David says. Refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Suppose if we could have imagined our way, we would have wanted it to be the kind of thing where the shepherd guarantees that our lives would be free of troubles. He does not. We will fall. We will be cast down. But there is hope. Because our shepherd stands ready to come, actually is looking. The shepherd goes looking for the sheep. That's why if you hear against yourself, praise God. It is because he wants to restore you. Are any of us low in grace, Spurgeon asks. Do we feel that our spirituality is at its lowest ebb. He who turns the ebb into the flood can soon restore your soul. Pray to him then for the blessing. Restore me, O shepherd of my soul. There is more. God not only provides for us as a great shepherd, he not only shows his care for us, by restoring us, he also shows his shepherding care by guiding us in the path of righteousness. He leads us. That's what shepherds do. That's what good shepherds do. So when we are in covenant with God, we are his people. We don't need to ask whether or not he's leading. He is leading. That's what shepherds do. God's leading is absolutely guaranteed. Because he's a good shepherd. And he knows that his sheep needs him. He leads. And how does he lead? He leads us personally. He knows our name, I think my brother said earlier. Our shepherd knows us. Yes, he's a shepherd of his people, of Israel, of, our, of us as a body, but he is Thomas's shepherd. He's Mimi's shepherd. He knows you. He knows me. He knows your needs. And he knows how he wants us to walk. Which brings us to our next point. He, his leading is in keeping with his word. He leads us in the path of righteousness. And he does so as we read and meditate and obey his word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my Path, Psalm 119, 105. And David in Psalm 25, verse 4 through 5, prays that God would lead him in the paths of righteousness. Show me your ways, O Lord, he says. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. I wait all the day. So David prays that God would lead him. And in Psalm 23, the text before us, he's actually saying, yeah, 
God is doing that. God has done that. He leads me. I ask Him to lead me. And He does just that. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Oh, that we would pray that God would work continually in our hearts, brothers and sisters. In our minds. That our minds would be renewed by God's word. That we would desire to be on the righteous path. To reflect God's righteousness. We live in a world where there are many voices that are tempting, telling us to go here, go there. There is no one way. Go this, go that. And the temptation is for us to be confused by those voices. But our shepherd does not want us to be confused. He does not want us to be misguided. And the way he guides us is through his unshakable word. And why does he do that? Well, a shepherd leads the sheep so that the sheep can get where the sheep needs to get to. The shepherd is going through difficult paths because maybe he said, well, I'm going to take you where you can be fed or drink water. So the shepherd has a goal in mind. And so does God, our shepherd. And he's, that goal is always good. So, what is the goal? Our good, certainly. Everything that God tells us to do is for our good in His Word. But there is more, for it says here, for His name's sake. Yes, for our good, the shepherd leads us, but He also does it, and also, and ultimately, as He does everything, for the glory of His name. God's reputation as the shepherd of his people is at stake as he guides you and me. We think about that. Sometimes we think about God's word, how we're doing. God's reputation and honor is connected to his guiding us in the path of righteousness. He guides us. He leads us in the path of of righteousness for his name's sake. And how does then this leading glorify God? How does, it, how does this exalt God's name, you may even ask? God's leading us in righteousness, brothers and sisters. Changing us, renewing our mind that would love his word and walk in it. God is glorified in that. Because as he does that, his grace is made glorious. By the result that happens in our lives. God, by his grace, rescued us when we like sheep had gone astray and followed our own perilous path. He rescued us by the one who carried our iniquities in his body at the cross. And having been rescued by our good shepherd, he has brought us in to his flock, and has placed us under his care. And as we experience his marvelous care, we, like David, boast, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is enough. I need nothing else. Look at how he provides for me. Look at how he restores my soul. Or oh, look at how he leads me daily in the path of righteousness when I did not want to walk at all. Look at how he changed me. 
the desire to obey him, to walk in the light of his truth, it is the work of his grace. So his grace is made glorious. His grace is magnified through rescuing us and changing us and causing us to walk in the path of righteousness. Number four, God demonstrated his shepherding care in our lives also by protecting us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It is very clear that in this life, danger, the reality of danger is always there. And if you know anything about sheep, you know that sheep faces danger constantly. And here, David paints for us a picture of a valley marked by deep darkness, place of despair and gloom, a place where the very welfare and safety of the sheep would be threatened were it not for the protection of the shepherd. And when you read David's life, it is very evident that God often guided David through very, very difficult times, through very dark times where his survival, in every sense, was at stake. Yes, there were plenty of green pastures in his life, but also God made sure that there were dark valleys as well. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. Yes, danger is unavoidable, but God's protection is certain. I will feel no evil. Why? The shepherd is with me. David is saying that because the Lord is with him, he will not fear. And his testimony is that of other brothers and sisters throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture, we see the connection between the promise of God's presence and, and fear. Where God places his servants in situations, not by accident. He does. He does the placing. He takes his servants through those dark valleys where, ooh, I'm scared. And God says, fear not. Not because you're strong. I am with you. And why does the presence of the shepherd make the difference? Well, first he loves his sheep. And is committed to the welfare of his sheep. There is a will. There is a will to protect. And David knows that. But there is more than the will to protect there is also the power to protect the sheep. It's not enough to want to protect those you love. I don't know if you've heard stories of children being attacked and harmed greatly, and I believe some to the point of death, in the presence of their parents. And their parents wanted to, but could not. If you ask me some Scary thoughts that have entered my head as a parent. This would be one of them. Oh God, what if I were in a position where my children were being attacked and I couldn't protect them? 
I want to. I may try, but I may not succeed. Well, our Lord is not just willing. He's able. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's like a shepherd used the rod and staff to protect the sheep from lions, from other predators that would seek to harm them, to protect them from themselves, from going astray. Our God also is more than able to protect us. David knew of God's protection when he served, literally as a shepherd, when he was attacked by bears and lions. He certainly knew God's protection during time of battle. Those years when he fled Saul, when he wanted to kill him. God is the protector of his people. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade. On your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord guarantees the ultimate safety of his sheep. And I say the ultimate, as our brother reminded us last Sunday. Death may come, but it is well for those who belong to the shepherd. So the protection is not protection from what we perceive to be the ultimate harm. The protection is ultimately, is has to do with what God knows is the ultimate harm for us. And as his sheep, we are safe from that. He is our protector. God also demonstrates his care for us by blessing us with great abundance. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Here David is boasting in God's ability to abundantly bless and care for his people, even in less than ideal, and I'm putting it mildly, circumstances, even in difficult circumstances. He says, in the presence of my enemies. He compares the Lord, he has a great host, a great host rather, who welcomes his guests, anoint his head, As a sign of hospitality. Make yourself comfortable. He sets up a table. And he says eat. Eat. Everything is set. Don't be afraid. Even though the enemies are nearby. The table is set for you. And nothing is missing. My cup. My cup. See that? My cup overflows. This is how generous our shepherd here. Do you see the boasting brothers and sisters? David is not just, ah, okay, I have a God who just helped me. No, I have the shepherd, the best shepherd. And in him I have more than I could ever 
long for. He is so good. He provides. He gives me what I need. Oh, he does more than that. He gives me even more. That's how good our shepherd is, my dear brothers and sisters. He leads us through difficult times. He provides for our basic needs. And there are those times when we experience it more than other times where we just see the abundance and say, Oh God. One last thing. God demonstrates his shepherding care in our lives by giving us assurance of future grace in his presence. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy in light of what God has done for him in the past as a shepherd, David is able to face the future with hope. Hope in what? In God's goodness and mercy. God's mercy in the past guarantees the certainty of his mercy in the future. And here I want to say something quickly about the word follow me. I used to think of the word follow as that something that, that's just more like a passive thing or going and then goodness and mercy trailing and trailing and never quite catching up with us. The word that's used in Hebrew to translate follow is a very active word. Uh, it is used in a number of places and one place where it's used is in Exodus 14 verse 4 where the Bible tells us that after God had hardened Pharaoh's heart, what did he do? He pursued the children of Israel. And he pursued them, obviously, to harm them. We have another example in 2 Kings 9.27 where king, the king of Israel, King Jehu, pursued Ahaziah, the king of Israel, to have him killed. That's a very active word. That's the word that we have here. It's translated follow. But in this context, God is not pursuing us and to catch us, to harm us. But rather, he is pursuing you and me for our good. He's pursuing you. He's pursuing me to bless us. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me. And catch up with me. And stay with me. Not just today, but every day of my life. Our shepherd is relentless in his love for you. My brothers and sisters, have you ever wondered why you've not strayed completely? How it is impossible for us to depart from the shepherd, our shepherd? It's not because in ourselves we would not be tempted to go astray. It is because God has determined to never let us go. And His grace and mercy are pursuing us. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've not been here a long time. And you're like, okay, I feel like coming here. This God is pursuing you. His goodness. His mercy.
And having such a good shepherd, then the ultimate thing that David wants is to be in his presence forever. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All is well. That's the bottom line. When the sheep is in the presence of his shepherd, nothing will that sheep lack. All, all is well. God himself is ultimately what we need. Yes, he provides for our material, physical, emotional, spiritual needs. He restores us. He puts us back on our feet when we struggle and fall. He leads us in the path of righteousness in accordance with his word. He protects us while we live in a troubled and fallen world. He blesses us often in ways that go beyond what we could even ask. But ultimately, he blesses us with himself. His presence now, tomorrow, and forever. So the ultimate for us, my dear brothers and sisters, is it is to be in the presence of the shepherd. That's what we want to experience now. Not in a full way we can, but ultimately that's the longing of the sheep. To be forever in his presence, boasting in the goodness, in the love of this great shepherd. Do you know him? Do you know this shepherd? I know this is a very familiar psalm. It's read in all sorts of settings, funerals, kings, princes, weddings, and who knows what. And people just love the way it sounds. But what I want to say this morning, if you don't know the shepherd, those promises are really for his sheep. For those who are bound in covenant with him. For those who are bound to his son. The son of David. The good shepherd. These promises are for him. And if you've been attracted this morning by what you've heard about this good shepherd. And you find yourself wandering aimlessly in this world. I would say come to him. Run to his son, and you too will be part of his flock. And for all of those, for all of us today who are rejoicing in knowing the shepherd, in knowing his care, may I say the following to you do not cease to boast in him. Never cease to boast in him. May we individually and as a body never, never cease to boast in our God. If our church is known for one thing, may it be that. That we would be this place where our boasting is in God. That that it would happen in everything we do. That we would see it and others would see that we are here because there is a great God. Who is alive, who is at work in the midst of his people. Not that we are good, not that we are great, but he is. Never cease to boast in him. I all times I will bless him. His praise shall continually be 
in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. And let us encourage each other. Let us exalt his name together. Let us in our time together encourage each other to do that. Brothers, sisters, let us exalt his name together. Let us boast in the Lord together. Number two, learn to rest and in his covenantal care for you regardless of where you are. Green pastures, praise God. Still waters, but maybe you will cast down. Maybe you're in the midst of dark valley and you're scared. Wherever you may be this morning, I want to encourage you to look to your shepherd and find rest in him. You're safe in his hand. As our good shepherd tells us, I give them, eter- them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. We can rest in the strong hands of the triune God. And he is loving. King of love as we sang earlier. And nothing will separate us from his love. And thirdly, long to imitate his shepherding. Let us long to imitate his shepherding. As we relate to those who are under our care, moms and dads, as you shepherd your children, let this be a model. Reflect God's shepherding. Let's pray for our under-shepherds here at Baraka. That God, by his grace, would cause him to reflect his shepherding over his flock here. And lastly, let us commit ourselves to the gathering of all of God's flock in mission. Those who are not yet part of the flock, but that God intends to bring in. He does so using his sheep. So may we be available for that very task. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, our good shepherd, we give you thanks. We exalt your name. You are the king of love. You are our shepherd. And we will not lack anything because we have you as our shepherd. Encourage, comfort, lead, restore. Do all of your work in your midst for good, for your glory. And as we witness your shepherding, may we never, never, never cease to boast of your goodness, of your mercy. We look forward to the day when we will boast like this perfectly, when there will be no hindrance to our boasting. Until then, as imperfect as it is, help us to boast continually in you, in everything we do and say in Jesus' name. Amen.